Ben does what he wants means I do what I want, right? That's right. Yeah, you can hear that clearly. Cool. So just let it go. It's good to see. Maybe you talk. It's good to see you're using the method that I taught you recently. I, when I remember to do this, I think it's pretty fun. And then. It, Do you have my boing on there still? Remember the boing? Actually, I'm sure it probably exists somewhere, somewhere deep in the recesses of all this stuff. That sound means that we are doing a brand new format called Hot Takes. Hello, I'm Ben Schlofeld, and welcome to Ben Does What He Wants, a podcast hosted by Ben Schlofeld. Uh, with me today is... Scott Myers. Hey. Friend of the show. You may remember him from all those months back when he was second guest, I think. I think I was. And I would like to point out that um, today I will be generally critiquing pop culture, but my first appearance I was making a defense of, of sort of a pop culture phenomenon writ large. So I'm not a curmudgeon. Um, I just happen to have a different opinion on this, this, this issue here. That's why it's called Hot Takes. It's, it's, yeah, correct. Hot Takes. Hot Takes. Ole, ole. Okay. Um, so your hot take, Scott, is on, uh, you called it prestige television, um, or some people call it the new golden age of TV. I think we'll, and we'll probably, uh, get into the, the nitty gritty of if you have a differentiation between golden age and, and what you consider to be prestige TV, but let's just read a little bit first, shall we? French scholar Alexis Picard has argued that TV series enjoyed a second golden age, starting in the 2000s, which was a combination of three elements. First, an improvement in both visual aesthetics and storytelling. Second, an overall homogeneity between cable series and networks series. And third, a tremendous popular success. Really chimed it in there on the last one. Uh, Picard contends that this second golden age was the result of a revolution initialized by the traditional networks in the 1980s and carried on by the cable channels, especially HBO, in the 90s. Shows such as The Sopranos, which first aired in 1999, Six Feet Under, 2001, The Wire, 2002, Mad Men, 2007, Breaking Bad, 2008, and Game of Thrones. You can cough, it's fine. Oz. Uh... I know we'll, that's. We'll talk. We mean it, it doesn't. It, I think it comes up a little bit later, but like sure. it's it's um, not necessarily part of the new golden age. Fair enough. Perhaps a precursor. Yeah. Um, are generally considered the basis of the so-called golden age of television, i.e., the new creator-driven tragic dramas of the 2000s and 2010s. Uh, the Writers Guild of America vote for 101 best written TV shows includes a complete foundation of the current golden age of television. Uh, Stephanie Zakarek of The Village Voice, has argued that the current golden age began earlier with network shows like Babylon 5 and Star Trek Deep Space Nine, both of which premiered in 1983, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer 1997. Kirk Cameron of Kotaku said that Avatar The Last Airbender 2005 should be considered a part of the golden age of television and recommended the sophisticated kids show to others. With the rise of insistent access, excuse me, instant access to content on Netflix, creator-driven television shows like Breaking Bad, The Shield, Friday Night Lights, and Mad Men gained cult followings that grew to become widely popular. The success of instant access to television shows has pre-presaged, presaged, 
by the popularity. I think that might be a mis- mistype. It's probably a typo. Yeah. Uh, prefaced by the prefaced pop- by the popularity of DVDs. Nah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it has helped due to the popularity of DVDs and continues to increase. Watching stuff as a season on DVD, yeah. essentially, mm-hmm. yeah. And continues to increase with the rise of digital platforms and online companies. The increase in the number of shows is also cited as evidence of a golden age or peak TV. In the five years between 2011 and 2016, the number of scripted television shows on broadcast, cable, and digital platforms increased by 71 percent in 20 excuse me 2002 182 television shows aired while in 2016 uh, there were 455 original scripted television shows and 495 in 2018 the number of shows uh, the number of shows are rising largely due to companies like Netflix Amazon video and Hulu investing heavily in original content the number of shows aired by online service increased uh, from only one in 2009, 2009 to over 93 in 2016. Uh, John Landgraf, the, the CEO of FX Networks, has stated that the amount of television series being aired during peak TV could be overwhelming to the viewer to choose from, especially for critics obligated to review as many shows as possible, which results in a decreased output of television series in the future. So we could see a recession due to, like, what do we watch? Um an increasing reliance awesome. on rebooting and reviving existing franchises led to widespread belief that the golden age of television was ending in the late 2010s. Characteristics of this golden age are complicate are complicated characters described as morally ambiguous at best, questionable behavior, and all complex plot plots and eager forays into R-rated territory. That's um, a little context for, and I think that covers a lot of what. That's really great. You're about to yak about, right? Um, I just want to say, maybe this makes me bad at uh, a hot take uh, in general, is that I don't. I want to be careful to not overstate my position and also just go on the record that I do enjoy many TV shows that sort of um, fit that description. Sure. I also completely agree with uh, Picard's definition that you, I'm not familiar with that person, but am I? Um, or any of their other work, but I agreed with, um, it was... Uh, revol- production changes, um, mass popularity, and then what was the the other quality? Uh, the sort of- third, uh, uh, um, improved, not just means of production, but there was an attention to writing. Attention to writing, like, sure, a, a, or a, a, character growth or whatever yeah. over time. I think that those, so all of they those- look better, they, they're written they better. better, and they were more popular. Yep. And I think all of those things are, except for maybe writing, which is a little subjective, but all those things are sort of, they're denotatively true. They're just definitely the case. There's certainly more money invested in it, obviously. Correct. Like you, that's, uh, un- you can't argue with that. My my hot take is that... <laughs> hot take? Yeah, my hot take, which is, you know, once again, this isn't a great hot take because I don't want to overstate my position, is that TV has failed to, in, in this great revolution um, or golden age... It's failed to to sort of transcend itself, um, and it's still really beholden to sort of the mechanics of television. And um, to me, is still uh, an inferior art form. Um, you know, a big compliment you can pay to TV is that it reminded you of a movie. Sure, I think film for me and its ability to comment on my, you know, or for me to it to make comment about the human condition, et cetera, is superior. Um, and 
I d- so, so, so sorry. Yeah, yeah. I hope I'm not interrupting a thought. Um, could you give an example of how you feel perhaps a certain show is failing to live up to an expectation of what of what you believe that TV could or should be doing? I don't even think I think TV's doing what it could be doing and should be doing. Um, I think TV already. I I guess maybe it's it's a kind of a pessimistic view. I think maybe TV has ascended to um, its highest form. Maybe there's a, a whole nother echelon of creativity that it could have that I I'm not you know putting any effort to come in up come up with right. But mm-hmm. um, just take a show. My first I have not seen The Sopranos um, or The Wire, which is the most ad nauseum two recommended television yeah, yeah. shows. And it's kind of the joke is to recommend the Sopranos of the Wire. Like, have you seen those things? Like, that's that's what people immediately will 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 and that's one of the things that's off putting about TV to me in general is that I think that it's uh, the sphere of recommendation that it sits in is kind of specific in the way um, people sort of want to. They make a normative recommendation. Oh, you have to watch X. Sure, sure, in a way that is very unique to um, the art form. Um, but my first foray into quote unquote uh, this post TV revolution was Breaking Bad, yeah. and um, the the lead in you you put into brought up this idea of moral ambiguity, and yes. um, a big part of all of these shows, a big part of all of these shows, or a stated part of all of these shows. But my big thing about TV is what do what do I think back when I reflect on when I was actually watching Breaking Bad, which was in the first era of. Um, sort of binge watching because it was it, it coincided with the rise of netflix um yes, being yeah. widely available a lot of people binge watch breaking bad myself included oh yeah that's how I, that's how i watched it was on i netflix. don't remember asking myself deep moral questions during that show that's not how i remember my experience about watching breaking bad at all i remember being like dude that was fucking crazy i want to see what happens on the next episode <laughs> so i'm going to put it on immediately right now that is the that is the way that people, no matter what you sort of moral questions you're trying to ask with television, its very design is to induce this sort of catatonic state of consumption. Even right, even the, the bef- cliffhanger, cliffhanger, right? That forms like the novel or the play or the film are not beholden to. Even if you have. Like Breaking Bad, I think is internally a pretty well done show. Yeah. Um, these this many years later, I'll 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 plant my flag on it. And be like, this is this is pretty good for. TV. I watched a dude watch. Uh, he was watching. I watched a dude watching it on the train just uh, yesterday. Yeah. He was and, watching the first ep- season one episode four. He had on his phone just. And impressive for you that you were able to sort of spot identify that. Oh well, he was um, he was fast forwarding through scenes, and so I could see like S one E four like oh. Because I knew it was early because he still had hair. Sure. He had his, sure. And uh, Skylar was still pregnant. So, like, I still knew it was early, but, like, I don't know what the fuck episode this is, but. And it, so the, I guess the point is, is that, like, Breaking Bad's ability to um, have a lasting impact on my both moral and aesthetic pers- uh, perspective is really, really low. I s- deeply enjoyed the experience of watching it. Um, and um, sort of, I think there's a link between um, TV and video games in the way that people consume them because of that sort of binge consumption that yeah. both of them uh, encourage. But I think video games are pretty markedly different because there's the interactive element. Absolutely. Um, you you contribute to what goes on in a video game. Correct. And I have, there's certain video games I've played in my life where 
they do sort of deeply inform my aesthetic perspective. Uh, the, the one I always throw out is The Last of Us, which I, mm-hmm. um, I remember specific emotional experiences I had while playing that game. Um, but I don't remember much about my experience of watching Breaking Bad other than, once again, it, I'm sure it's, it's a bit of a straw man, than the, dude, that was crazy. <laughs> I cannot wait to see what happens next. And to me, that is, that is the sort of highest echelon that, that TV has achieved. Um, in terms of when you actually sit back and reflect on it. Now, from an actor's perspective, does it give people this really amazing platform to dig into something over a long period of time? Absolutely. Yes, it does. And I think that's a really unique thing about it. And I hear do- Kit Harrington went to rehab because he was not dealing with the end of the show very right. well, apparently. Um, you know, Lawrence Olivier never went to rehab when he was done with the film. You know, or um, or play that we know. Well, I don't know. Or play. Do you, that, do you know? I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> we, you know, there's but. Just, but we don't know. We don't know. But yeah. the, so the first great actor I thought of that is heavily associated with film and, and theater, I don't know of that particular experience. Um, so I mean, he does have that famous quote, right, when he, to Dustin Hoffman about... Have you tried acting? Yes, yeah, yes. exactly. Um, amazing. I believe, I believe he says, dear boy. Have you dear, tried yeah. acting, dear boy? Have you tried... I lo- that, I'm so glad you... That is actually one of my favorite quotes about acting of all time. Because yeah. <laughs> it's... Um, that's, you know, for context for the listener, the school that we went to for acting was all about... Um, given circumstances, investing yourself, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. um, this idea of method acting to me is it is highly effective and people like Daniel Day-Lewis pull it off very well. But it's almost more impressive to me to be able to just like be yourself one second, then do then a, transform. Then transform really quickly. Yeah. That's more badass to me than, um, you know, starving yourself like Leo or something like well, that. Yeah, because then, then you are, you're in, you, it seems like you're making your job more difficult, but in fact, you're making your performance while more believable in a way it is actually removing the challenge of it by just living that life. Like you wouldn't, if you put a camera in front of a, a, a janitor, I always talk about janitors. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, just clicking in. He's like, man, that janitor is acting really well. He's like a, a janitor. He's the best janitor you've because ever he seen. A, Cause he's a janitor. He's just done it. Yeah. You know? And that, you know, the method acting school, we're a little off the rails, but I think this will be contextually relevant. Um, we'll bring it back. Don't worry. The method acting school too, it sort of squeezes out the idea of abstraction mm-hmm. in acting where uh, I think Nick Cage is a really good example of, <laughs> uh, I mean that no, sincerely. Yeah, no. The man makes choices. He makes fucking choices and he's not beholden to reality. And I think by sort of embracing this idea of realism, we're totally closing out ourselves not only to maybe more interesting film or television, even even though television sucks. Um, <laughs> not really. Hot I, take. I, yeah. <laughs> Um, we're closing ourselves not only to more interesting possibilities for acting in film, but also a uh, huge theatrical tradition um, that of, of drama, of drama, and and um, yeah, you know, clear intentions from actors and heightening and all that kind of stuff, which yeah. I think is mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. So it's a um, it's it's a it's a narrow path because I was I was talking about TV to somebody today, and they're asking like, "Do you watch it?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, I watch it, but man, I've not been." Because I think he brought up Chernobyl, which I am watching right now. Man, oh, go on. No, no, like I'm sure. My point is that I do not care about that show at no, all. And, and that's yeah. and that's totally like that's yeah. your hot take. And that, so like Give the me thing. One. Take my oh, you're oh he's this hot take. The hot take too, has made me warm. <laughs> too hot. Um, it's it's a so like it's a good show. It's it's inter- it, It's well performed. The writing is solid. The clearly, there's a lot of money invested because all it looks, the aliquot components of the golden age of television, yes, right? Yes, it has all of those things, um, and it's yes, it, and of, and of course, it has the, every episode. You're like, you're done. Like, wow, 
I want to know what happens. Because it, what it is, it's a mystery that's being unraveled. Like, how could Chernobyl happen? And honestly, what, what I, why I like this more than a lot of other shows is it's based on our true event that I'm actually kind of in the, in the dark about. Um, and so there's things that are going on that are, um, and they, a lot of these characters, not all of them are based on real figures. So it feels more like an historical um, retelling of an event, which runs parallel in a way, but it is divergent um, from, you know, the fantastic elements of, uh, you know, Game of Thrones. It's, it's not Game of Thrones. Um, and so like when I watch them, like I'm, I'm I, I can justify it because, hey, I'm learning something too. Sure. Um, which makes me sucked in a little bit more, but no, it absolutely fits all these criteria. You got uh, low A list, B list stars um, doing acting the hell out of it. You know, so much acting. By that, I mean so they are act, underacting so hard almost all the time because that's what you know real acting is on film. It's just staring blankly and saying something like, "How did this happen?" Yeah, and that's uh, it's so. And, that, and then we like, man, that was good. There's and so pe- there's people that are really good at that, and there's once again there's stuff I like that employs that technique, but it is it is boring and it is predictable, and it is sort of a, a hegemonic preference from the film and television industry is this sort of bizarre uh, affinity for realism and truth that yeah. ends up being a caricature of itself more than it actually. Um, makes me ask big questions about the external world around me outside of this art, which is not the only reason that you should watch anything or consume anything, but it's a big reason. And it's a reason that I will, you'll get into pretty uh, touchy philosophical territory to make a distinction between art and entertainment. But I think most people would say that there is something there and um, the ability to sort of frame questions about uh, your experience at large versus, um, something that just sort of passes you by, I think is a, uh, w- one way you could make that distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that t- TV, so the, the golden age of television was a revolution in production. Yes. And it was a revolution in, um, it, it, they look like movies now. They really yeah. do. Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. They're, amazing. They're beautiful. But game of Thrones, which is what sort of prompted this game of Thrones. I was wondering about that. That was not six movies that we watched, right? They were, uh, it was six 90-minute episodes mm-hmm. um, that looked as good as movies, that had uh, actors that were as good as films. But that was not, clearly not six 90-minute uh, No, they weren't films. Are you speaking like in the sense of a contained narrative? Like you could watch this on its own and it would be a piece of art? Yeah, Correct. Abs- Correct. Absolutely not. Yep. They, they require the context of other episodes. You have to watch more to get the full picture. And... And not even just that, even just as in like uh, an aesthetic, um, because I do think that Game of Thrones did achieve this. I love Game of Thrones. I think if I were to, if you were to, you know, ask me to pick my favorite show from the quote unquote golden age, it would be the first four seasons of Game of Thrones. They're good. um, Because I think crime is really boring to me. (laughs) Um, I don't like The Godfather. I don't like. You should listen to the episode I posted recently. <laughs> we we dissect the. Uh, sorry. Um, I don't like Goodfellas. I don't like that shit. Um, so you don't like The Sopranos? Then I, I don't. I d- I've never watched The Sopranos. Oh, that's right, you said that. But the idea of it baseline is so incredibly boring to me. Well, so it's like 
we'll we'll go back. We'll, I'm we'll sure back. that we'll Tony back. Soprano is this incredibly complicated character. Uh-huh. I'm positive that it's well done. Well, I just started watching this show only recently too. Yeah. So like, I, let's so we can circle back around. Yeah, yeah we, we we will. Like, I want I don't want to um, break your thought too much. It's already broken, but no! Um, no! but anyway, Game of Thrones. I think yeah. I because I, I don't know you, where where I started first four with seasons. This. You like the first? Four I liked seasons. them a lot, and I I do think it that falls prey to the same um, critiques that I made of everything else. Yeah, really uh, catatonic sense of of consumption doesn't bear uh, any sort of meaning to my actual external life the way that uh, films or novels have have or you know any other yes. kind of intri- album whatever. Um, but it was so fun to watch, and yeah. that. That is, I guess, my whole point is that is the highest achievement of television is joy. And um, it's just, for example, like uh, moral complexity. I watched this documentary recently called Stevie. Um, it's uh, a documentary about the filmmaker who's, who's also named Steve um, had done Big Brother's program with this, this kid in southern Illinois mm-hmm. and um, had sort of lost touch with him for years. Are we still recording? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sort of lost touch with him for years, and he came from a, a very impoverished family. And a lot of the documentary is spent getting you to empathize with Stevie, and then it comes out that he is on trial for child molestation. Oh, oh and okay. um, he also very clearly has some sort of undiagnosed uh, mental disability mm-hmm. um, that's sort of been allowed to run rampant because he doesn't have the actual resources um, to address that. No medical resources, anything like that. The layers of moral complexity in the filmmaker Steve continued to maintain a relationship with him after he reconnected after he knew he was on trial for child molestation for all these contextual reasons um, and how much it stuck with me and how much it it sort of uh, I think about that film I watched it probably six to eight weeks ago now um, I've never done that with a television show and asking it, it didn't really because um, I came to that film with a pretty good uh, political analysis of why that kind of stuff happens. Yes. Um, but it asked amazing, amazing emotional questions. I've never had a TV show do that for me, ever. And um, and I think it's because TV wears on its sleeve. Um, it's beholden very clearly to the political economy it's produced in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it you can see... The, the space for advertisements you can see mm-hmm. all of this kind of stuff well we talk about the, you, yeah i think you're getting to the 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 temporal nature of a film versus a television show a television show and which is also one reason and i will also say that chernobyl gets a few more uh upticks from this guy is that it's a miniseries it will end it has a yeah. finite yep period and i think that's also what why i enjoy a lot of bbc miniseries um is because there's a, a and i think they still fall into a lot of these categories but they're like no we have this story there's an there's an a there's a b there's a c there's a d and then the damn thing's over we're not trying to like oh second seat so they really yep. this guy played really well let's write some more stuff for him and give the audience what they want so that we can make more money i actually really agree with that and point I- um because i think um another tv show that i like is the first season of true detective um, if that had only existed as just that thing, I'm like, cool, that was neat. What a um, what a prime example of a show that tried to give the audience too much of what it wanted. They didn't know it, what they wanted because they wanted they didn't know that that just exa- it needed to exist as it already was, and that mm-hmm. was what was good about it. Um, but I, I even those miniseries, um, 
they do sort of uh, stumble into a certain aesthetic, and it's the sort of thing we brought up specifically with respect to acting a little bit already. It is this very serious aesthetic, right? Oh. It's it's like I'm watching real TV right now. Yeah. There is no room for there. There is no humor in yeah. Chernobyl. Absolutely yeah, uh, none. I know it's. I know it's not. And I, I, so the reality of the situation is that things, funny things, happen all the time. All the time. And I, I know that we. That was something we talked about in school in acting. Is that uh, usually humans, when things are really awful, try to make a fart Look joke. Like a joke. Yeah. yeah, because that lightens the mood. Because no one wants to live in. But, that, but that's. But that's what movies. So, so, and I think, I guess this is the problem, right? That we're talking about movies can do that for two hours and we can still complain about like, there's no moments of brevity or no comic relief, but it's only two hours when we're Chernobyl. We, uh, Brooklyn and I have invested, you know, each episode's an hour long. I think we just did four episodes or so like four hours. It's like we watched the Godfather and a half. Um, and not that we got into it cause we thought it was gonna be a laugh riot. Right. But part of reality, part of life, part of uh, the day-to-day experience is having little tongue-in-cheeks, little winks, and saying like, hey, everybody's dying, but uh, this is some good Salisbury steak, right? Yeah, it's, you, it's you how know. people cope with reality. Yeah. And, um, and that's, there's no room for that in these, in these and, prestige television shows, I feel like. And that's, and that's one of my biggest critiques of it. Once again, aesthetically, not from an enjoyment perspective, and which was why I'm really good that Avatar was called out. It's a great show in your uh, lead-in because um, it's a children's show. I left that in there because I have I hold that show in very high regard. I th- I think Avatar might be the best TV show um, as such, or it's at least my favorite. And I don't think it's coincidental that it's a children's show. And I think that's kind of a knock to the medium, to be honest. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. a fucking children's show. And um, it met the expectations of a children's show. I think it's also a cartoon. It's a cartoon. I think yep. I think that's a big part for all, television shows for me. My All my favorite TV shows are cartoons. The ones that I think that I will aesthetically defend the hardest are all cartoons. Every single one. Um, you know, Avatar just being one example. And it's a children's show. And uh, here's things that it does amazingly. It, it does all the things that like um, prestige TV tries t- to do, which it asks big moral questions. Yeah. Um, our purpose. Our purpose. It, it has um, compelling character arcs. Zuko's. Um, His transformation. Zuko's is- transformation is beautiful. And compare that to Jamie Lannister's. It's um, it's a very much, similar, very similar, very similar, but Zuko's less, is much better done. Less, and, a lot less incest, but but it's because it's a zero incest in Avatar, thankfully. <laughs> um, because it's a kid show, there are frequent moments. Uh, sorry, I just got passionate. There are frequent moments of levity, um, yes, and yep. it's con- constantly. Reminding you that you're watching a cartoon and reminding you that you're watching a television show. Well, they have a, they have a character. The, uh, oh god, what's his name? the the brother? Um, uh, he's he has he's not a bender. Um, the the uh, Sokka. Sokka. Sokka's hol- Sokka. I Mary and I, which is my partner for the the uh, listeners. Um, we watched. Um, she was on the. Ga- she's our friend from the Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones episode. episode so also friend of the of the uh, of the show. Um, we watched Avatar recently, and both of us in our late twenties really legitimately laughing at the humor that Sokka had. Yeah. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good um, visual gags. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. good, just stupid baseline humor. Yep. Um, he, he face plants yep. so many times, you know, and, and that's, and, and I think we go back to stuff like uh, 
uh, Del Arte, Commedia Del Arte stuff, and we look at basic character types, um, and you ima- like imagine a, a show full of one character type. Yep. That's basically what TV is. Yeah, and it's uh, God, it's it can They're get all heroes or something like that. Yeah. you know. Um, um, I don't, th- I don't think Del because Ar- Del Arte is like inherently humorous. Correct. I don't think they have a you know a sad sack character who is always. I mean, if he's sad, it's because it's funny. But like, but the analogy works that it would be like having casting an Arlecchino for, for every, every single, single and that thing that drive you nuts. You could, yeah. you could, you wouldn't get anywhere. Um, and even though I agree, I think the first four seasons of of Game of Thrones are—I think the whole thing is entertaining to an extent, but it certainly lacks a lot. Like, it lacks humor. It does <laughs> it, lack humor, it's and not that, a very funny show. It's and I think not that it again to preface. Not that I went into Game of Thrones thinking this is going to be a laugh riot. I mean, like I got into Game of Thrones a little late. Um, and well, not all- that that's a necessary component of, of something being good art. Exactly. But sure, I sure. think that the um, observation that it's necessarily Reality. precluded from all of these yeah. different shows, that's bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, not that everything needs to be a laugh ride all the time, but there's something about the medium. Not everyone's making that same aesthetic choice, right? Well, we're also talking about all, the, all these shows, Breaking Bad, Mad Men, all these things... Uh, we applaud them for their verisimilitude and 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 their ability to to reflect reality. But then we're t- talking about how they clearly don't because how often are they? And I know I said fart jokes earlier, but how often are there fart jokes? Yeah, there's, um, there's never. I mean, Mad Men. Once again, I really uh, who is it? Pete Campbell, amazing performance. Really enjoyed it. Um, but oh, that show has almost no levity. There is no bright moments in that show. It's all just this incredibly self-serious sort of thing. And it, um, and maybe maybe what we're not thinking of is that uh, the, we've we've clearly gotten to a saturation point in in, in you know peak. It, it was said peak TV. Like we are because what we were, what we we're coming from before that is the era of Seinfeld and Friends, where all it was was shtick and laughs and our like the serious shows. And who's going to defend? Like, sure, people, when people, back to TV as a medium in general, who's going to really defend Seinfeld and Friends? Oh, every, what do you mean? I mean, like, from, like, in terms of, like, being able to inform your perspective on the world. Oh, well. You know, like, who's, who's really going to. I got all my life lessons from Seinfeld. From Seinfeld. So I'm a lonely, lonely man. Right, (laughs) right. Yeah, they're they're not, like, you, oh, if you were, sorry, is that like a. Like I don't know about that. If you if you emulated Seinfeld, you'd be a lonely, lonely. You'd be man. a horrible person. Yeah, yeah. Um, no one would want to hang out with you because you would have the highest standards, but then be a piece of shit. And like, once again, I'm not saying that that's necessarily a standard for art, but like I I think it's not coincidental that we have the TV. There's sort of these two poles where you have this hyper reality um, of you know Mad Men or whatever that makes it so real that it's distorted beyond any recognizable reality that we live in. Or we have something like Friends or Seinfeld that's so blatantly unreal. Yeah. And and the way that those people talk. I is, mean, how can they afford those apartments? How can in they New afford York? those apartments? Or like, no one fucking talks like that. Yeah. Like, no <laughs> one talks the way those people talk in those shows, um, to a fault in a lot of in a lot of ways. So it's it's that that's kind of the two poles that you're dealing with for the medium, and goes back to uh you know the ability to to me it's once again the political economy of it is sort of blatant more blatantly on its face than it is for other um media sure um it's more apparent 
And that to me is something that I don't like about it. So what I would like to do, if we can do this, um, because what we're talking about a lot is, I, I think it's a, in a lot of relative terms, we're talking about um, TV in some regard wanting to be as good or as legitimate as a movie, right? Or anything else. Or anything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so could you, what would you, as like a, a point of, of like a, a sort of a, with a control variable of some kind, Yeah. is there a film that you could point to and say like, this, I know that's kind of hard. That's hard. That's really hard. I, I know, but like just, just so we can have like a, in, in terms of a well-executed, uh, a, 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 a film that you think would be a good example. I know. I'm sorry, man. The, the film I always punch go you on the to spot here. as my base level, this is a good movie. It's incredibly cliche. That's fine. Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. Right? It's incredibly imaginative. It's beautiful. <laughs> it makes you feel weird stuff. weird at the end. It makes you feel stuff. You don't know what to make of it. You're asking you. The, Lots of questions. The here's, here's, what, here's the control variable, and here's what TV, in my opinion, doesn't do the way that film or the novel or whatever does. Um, I the 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 period of reflection from a film like 2001 is so much more vital necessarily than the time that you're actually watching on it. You reflect on that for hours and hours and hours oh, and hours. Sure, I mean you can you can talk about that for a long long Correct. time. Whereas the critical part for TV is the point of consumption. Sure. And the way and here's one good thing about TV um, is that it gets people. I now notice now that. We're sort of in this golden age of TV. People talk about narrative arcs and character motivations in a way that I they don't really talk about for movies or books. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really awesome. And I hear people, you know, that wouldn't really talk about these things otherwise gabbing um, about this stuff. And I'm like, that's really awesome. Yeah. You know, and it's a form of reflection, but it's not the same type of reflection that you do. Do you know what I think? I think it's the big differences. Aside from series finales like Game of Thrones recently, um, I because predictive is that we're gonna go no, to no, no. yeah yeah well there's a little bit of that but also um, with a film a contained film it's over you don't have to worry about what comes next week because yep. because I we were we watched like the the first couple episodes of the new season and we're like well like, we're wasting we're not wasting we're using we're we're expending a lot of energy yep. to talk about this episode but this could all change in in like five minutes you're of the worried next episode. your assessment is going to immediately date itself which means you can't actually engage with the content in Ex- a way until that is- the darn thing's over and we were fortunate in a way that the show ended so we could have then after all was said and done we could have a meaning- meaningful conversation about what all that content meant but for shows that are still going it's like well, uh, we'll just wait till the damn thing's over. Yeah, then so we'll talk that, about it. Now that Game of Thrones is over, I have no idea. There's no <laughs> meaning I can apply to Game of Thrones except that um, it had a very strong internal logic um, for the first four, first four seasons and the last four seasons. It broke its own rules and became worse. <laughs> like, well, that's it, my takeaway the, from Game of Thrones is the meta level. Ex- that, I was going to yeah. use the same word. Like, uh, especially the last two seasons, all we're talking about is how the, the showrunners were throwing it away um, because they w- yep. were done. And, and, and why- we're not engaging with it at it on its own terms. Yeah, which is what I, I, don't, I don't watch these things. If, if, if that's how I want to engage in things, then I might as well be watching reality TV um, because like that that's what that reality TV is. It's like they want you to engage with it in like a, oh, I can't believe the producers let who's his face on the set. Yep. Oh my gosh, that person's, 
throwing plates around, you know, <laughs> or whatever I mean, happens in reality TV. Um, but of course, that's still staged as well. But uh, but in a Brechtian way, we are aware that this is staged, and that's kind of the it's like fun. wrestling or something. Yeah, that's kind of the yeah. fun of it. Um, but this is we're, we you a show is 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 competent when we don't think about the strings being pulled or any any film video like all those things when we're not thinking about the hand involved in creation we the the game the movie the book whatever is doing its job right and we weren't thinking about that for the last f- two seasons which means the show is ultimately failing at its job it's it's failing horribly um yeah, I mean, uh, the real reason I wanted to do this hot take was because I wanted to say Game of Thrones is bad, <laughs> which is not a hot take, but uh, it, that that was what got me thinking about it, right? It was because of just the... I did... Something like Game of Thrones did get me really hopeful about the, the, the possibility of TV when I was watching it at first a yeah. few years ago, because I'd never really had an experience like that. We talked about this years ago. Like, yeah. like TV has gotten better. It's TV gotten, is good. Something's going on here. Yeah. What is this and thing, then, TV? we got to invest in this. And then it betrayed its its potential. And then now, as you reflect on it, all the things that we've said, we're like, oh, we've we were just kind of hoodwinked by the increases in production and the writing's a little bit better and stuff like that. Like yeah, that's my ultimate reflection. On well, it. and well, also like the immersive nature of, of a continuing arc. Um, we had, I remember, uh, so the wire was my first real big introduction into sure. prestige golden era television. And, um, it was the first time that you, that you got, you had the opportunity to really to let characters breathe over a long period of time, which is cool. Which which is yeah, yeah. Is, is cool. Um, and I think I still think the Wire is a very well done show. And I think I do recommend. Like, I know you don't like crime shit. Don't recommend. Like, I used to be a whole other podcast. Don't recommend pop culture to people. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I know. I know that. Yeah. Well, yes. You it's <laughs> you, pe- you get the sentiment no, 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 of what I'm absolutely. saying. Absolutely, right? because like when someone says, like, yeah, "I yeah. think you'll like this," I'm like, "Yeah." Fuck you. <laughs> you need you need to come in like at this point in our yeah. lives we need to come in we usually have to come into it on our own or it has to be introduced to us from somebody who we hold to a very high regard. It's very different for you to recommend that something to me like cuz we have, you know, y- years of history and of talking about this kind of stuff. But I also I know, know you're you'll you'll still make your own decision. I'll like, still make my own decision yeah, and like you're well, there is good. like a um you know, there's this Dude, you have to watch this. This is crazy. Well, yeah, um, this was of style so, of recommendation that's this very was, pervasive. This was not like an uh, an unsolicited. Not that you came to me like asking Correct. for recommendation. Correct. But we're talking about it's like so. I'm I'm having watched like the first two seasons of Sopranos. I don't think you'll like it. Yeah, because I, I don't. I I'm on the record of being like crime is boring to me. I think there's some very interesting things about it. I I think it's going to be harder for you because. Uh, the, the show, there are shows standing upon the shoulder of that show. Like Breaking Bad is a more interesting version of The Sopranos. Yeah, and, um, and I think that yeah, Breaking Bad it's not unproblematic, you know, and it's it's not boring. Like what my critique of it is that like it ends up not really having anything to say about um, things broadly. It's just like this man had this individual experience sure. of trying to, uh, of being a really, dude, this guy is so smart. <laughs> um, and then he did all this crazy stuff. And that was really the only commentary that, that Breaking Bad had. Well, there's like, an, there's, yeah. uh, 
There's no, there is no, like you could easily make Breaking Bad a critique of the American healthcare system. You could make yeah. Breaking Bad a critique of, of the of the justice system of the just any any number of things, but there was n- almost nothing to, that Breaking Bad said about uh, you know the world around it. That, that I I'll agree with that. Having not revisited, it, I've only watched the whole thing one time, um, but I remember the watching the first episode when it aired on AMC uh, at our place on Burlington there in Iowa City, uh, yeah, um, and thinking like and and dismissing it immediately i thought it was trash i the i ended up really liking it but i remember my friend was binge watching it at the place on burlington uh across the street across the street and i remember being like that is the stupidest thing i've ever heard of that is the most contrived plot that 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 you could ever come up with and it's like is do people even really like this is maybe betraying a drug knowledge i don't have like i know that there's many different strains of weed um and that produce many different effects and you know we're drinking beer right now beer is this very thing but dude do are there picky meth users is that that's just like a faulty premise to the show There's, like it's it's a literally just a chemical compound and i'm i can't believe that this uh you know this super smart dude producing this pure thing produces a wildly different high than uh, the exact same thing yeah, yeah. that has a minor impurities. It's in it. funny. I didn't even think about that until now. I was talking about, and this is this proves the point even further that this guy, uh, Brian Cranston's character, Walter White. I, so I remember his name, famous. It's like um, had he was he was like the 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 comical character. Like he's not comical, but like comically had a rain cloud over his head wherever he walked. Yeah. Could could the guy possibly have a worse life and? In such a way, I'm like that is true. Yeah, like the first episode true. throws all of that at you, and it's like, no, I I didn't watch it again for two years because I, I was like, I, I don't care how well this is doing. Like that first episode, like his 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 son has a, has a medical disability. Um, he just got diagnosed with cancer. He's getting fired, and his wife is pregnant. Like that, all in the first episode. Yeah. And I remember that vividly thinking like, this is, I don't, this is not realistic. This, and, and like for a show that I think was again, like all of these other shows. The verisimilitude was the primary aesthetic goal of uh, a lot of these shows and of Breaking Bad. And then, but, but when it sits on top of that rubbish like that, yeah, it's like a, a really irreconcilable contradiction. Yeah. Because not only does that happen, but the episode of course also has no humor in it. There's nothing fun. Yeah, ex- yeah. Like, exactly. and that that could have. That's the kind of thing where, like, when that all that stuff happens to you in one day. Well, I guess so. His son has had that his whole life, but like, when you get fired, you have cancer, and and your wife is pregnant. Something about just like you know, sit back and, oh, man, they can't write. Like, some it's like no one could write this in my life so bad. So there's there's a joke in there about that. And maybe he does say that, but I don't remember it. Here's another read, and here's why I think Breaking Bad, once again, I really enjoyed watching his entertainment. Um, I did too. I ended up liking aged, the show a lot. It's aged poorly because here's another read you can put on it. Um, in 2019, you know, we sort of had uh, a much more significant uh, discussion about racial oppression and stuff like that, and that's uh, much more in the popular conversation than it was in 2008 when Breaking Bad premiered. So read you can put on Breaking Bad is that it's like, oh, you know, no one knew how to make this drug until this really smart white guy came along. And it's like, oh, cool. Here's the most perfect thing that you've ever imagined. 
um, when all these people had been in this and, and every other person that's a major player in that Tuco, um, Gus Fring are not white people. Right. It's, so there's, it's uh, true. Yeah. So there's that, that's a really easy analysis you can put on it. There's this like genius white man that comes along and, and, and brings this drug. It's hard. I keep, I, I, I've been bringing up the term American exceptionalism a lot in conversations lately with people. Yeah. And, and I feel like it just kind of keeps popping up. Like, the American, they're good at what they do. Yep. <laughs> yep. The, the, yeah. Yeah. We don't even want to make meth, and like we're really good at it. Which the um yeah, it's a great we're, term. We're certainly better than those those Mexicans at making. Yeah, and it. that's and that is if you really Which, like, what a slap. That's the implication of the show. Not, not that I'm saying Mexicans want to be good at making meth. But, no, like, but but, but there's, we're there's better. A, there's a whole industry already built up in the world of Breaking Bad. There's a whole industry of meth production that already exists. That's Mostly occupied by non-white people, but the white person comes along and is the one that knows how to do it the best. Yep. And that's it's like, come on, you know. And that's there. There's you can make a racial analysis um, of the other big prestige TV shows that we've sort of thrown out. Uh, Mad Men, right? Yep. It's a about white guy, genius white dude. Sopranos never seen it. I'm assuming it's a, a similar. It's thing. It's about white guys. Yeah, it's about amazing white people. Um, you know. But so I think I well let. We'll take a break after this, but like, so I'm thinking there, so there is, this is another reason why the wire is good. No, the what don't recommend something. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, said. I'm not recommending it. I'm saying it's, it's yeah. good because it has a very complex, uh, and colored image of racial relations and who you root for. Cause like the, and I can't, maybe, maybe it, the it, wire if we're is talking the about thing that maybe it is the good piece of TV. And maybe it's the thing that is the exception to every critique that I've ever made. I'm open to that, especially because the um, if I weren't so disinterested in police stuff and crime stuff, um, once again, for the things, the same critiques that because of the focus on the individual instead of the societal um, that well, crime normally does, um, that's it's such a hard entry point for me. But wait, may, wait I'm, you don't like it because it focuses on individuals and not society? Be, uh, I don't like, so crime narratives in, in general and this sort of like, um, right now in our cultural moment, we're really into true crime. Yes, That's we are. sort of like a big thing. And my huge problem with that is that it always, it, it doesn't really go anywhere outside of like, and I keep, I keep using this voice and it, it does, you know, so, hey, dude, this guy was crazy. He's so <laughs> Have you heard of Ted Bundy? That he did this stuff. We should rewatch and, Zodiac not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, and that doesn't make, that doesn't help me make a theoretical, and not that this is a necessary component of everything that you consume. That doesn't make me help make me analysis of the world around me. That there are certain individuals that are really, really depraved, that are on the complete outliers and dregs of humanity. That doesn't help me understand my experience or the experience of most things around me. It is a um, carnal fascir- uh, uh, fascination that yes. people have with that. Well, yeah, because we can and almost it's. I mean, to we can it, dismiss Brody it in terms. It's kind of sexual. Yeah, we can know? dismiss it as something as an isolated incident. Yep, and it makes it less scary. Like when you start, but it allows us to have the psychological enjoyment of something because there is an enjoyment to the depravity, right? Yes, there and that's is. that to me, it's a psychosexual enjoyment of this depravity. Well, um, why, why did we gladiator gladiatorial battles yep. were a thing for so long? Because we're we're messed up. We like it's to a watch similar sort yeah. of thing. You know? um, uh, Violence that, is very enjoyable. And oh, I don't, yeah, yeah. Yeah. On that note, we're going to take a quick a quick because uh, we want to get right back into this. Uh, break 
and I'm going to try to do this without effing it up. I hit caps lock instead of tab. I want to hit tab. And then what we're going to do is, does that say break, Scott? I think it does. Okay, here we go. And we're back. Hey, guys. Hey, we had a nice little break. I think a much-deserved break. Um, we talked there for about uh, 50 minutes. Um, so I think trying to... Because we were on a, a, a brain-exploding discussion there. Well, not There's a lot other, of good tangents. And stuff. Not that other people's brain, minds were blown, but like we were talking a lot. Uh, I think a lot of good points came up. I think we agree on a lot of things. Um, I think we can... Move on thinking that what you were saying that TV ultimately, at least this this notion, and again, we have to preface this, make sure that it's, we're not talking about all of television. We're talking about what is deemed as sort of golden era prestige television is not living up to the sort of the, the promise that it makes of being as good or if, if not better than a film. And again, this is entirely subjective, right? Because we're talking about subjective shit. Um, and I'm sure some people are like, yeah, f- f- fuck Kubrick. I am all in with six feet under. That was like my jam. Yeah, but I don't think they would have to address the specific criticisms we had of TV, right? In They'd terms of it's, be- it's, it's, uh, and it can, contr- it's beholdenness to, um, the production environment that it was made in, right? And that's that it's something that's so transparent with TV. Well, like, but but in in, in that sense too, like all all media created, all films, all books are are everything created. exists with the economy. You cannot escape the economy, but some things are. It's more transparent that that is the case. Correct. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. I will agree to that. Like, uh, you brought up two thousand one. I think that's a film that kind of transcends a lot of those notions. Like it. I watched that today and I still could like, this could have been made right now and I would buy its legitimacy. Um, it, it sort of exists in a vacuum in, in a lot of ways for me. Um, but you were going to make some sort of point about Endgame, So the Avengers film, which I guess you've seen and I have not. I here's, here's my big point is so TV um, exists as one of it in the golden age has ascended to, I think one of the most talked about art forms. Oh, I more talked about than anything else. I think next to that, it has to be video games. Has to be video games or, well, would you put sports? Sports are pretty popular. I think sports exists. Is that, or is it a different realm altogether? It's a different realm for me because of the level of spontaneity. Mm -hmm. Um, and just the, the overall difference, uh, in the way that it's produced. Okay. Um, and that you could meaningfully call sports art, but that isn't a popular understanding of it. You know, except it, for wrestling. Except for wrestling is absolutely nerd. yeah. Um, Have you listened to my two episodes on uh, WrestleMania? No, but I I will as a fan of the show. It's actually uh, the, I plugging my own show on my show seems really weird. So let's move on. Um, but I I think there's there's something about TV that really speaks to our cultural moment 
and that this sort of idea of prestige TV or a golden era TV, um, which has... wouldn't exist. Also, I think maybe we haven't talked about it enough. Uh, the proliferation of online streaming, right? Online streaming is such a, and I brought it up initially when I made the point about Breaking Bad and yeah. its compatibility with binge watching, etc. You don't binge watch um, challenging documentaries about um, uh, poor men that end up molesting children. Um, you binge watch television, right? Yeah. And so they're very, very synthetic. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're very compatible things. Um, uh, binge watching and television. So there's something about our cultural moment um, that TV is very compatible with, and I think a lot of it has to do with its complete inability. Um, in a lot of ways, to make any sort of critique of the status quo mm-hmm. in the way that films can. Um, but even then, I feel like I feel like films are falling short right now. Films well. are falling short right now, which is why I wanted to talk about Endgame, which and is just a a, a very expensive a, TV. It's show. It's a very expensive TV show. So it's the con. You knew the point I was going to make. It is. It is the. the I con- had a feeling. It is the convergence of the two forms to where I don't even. So Endgame for you know the anyone who's listening to this most people have seen it my analysis of endgame is that it was a clips show um it is a which is a form in the sitcom where you sort of go back and you revisit different things that you've seen over the course of the series because you don't want to actually make a new episode and in avengers endgame we see i i'm i could not believe my eyes I'm watching a multi-million dollar movie, the biggest cultural event of the year, which is, by the way, the only reason I went to it. I do not care about Marvel at all. I was like... He's a DC I, fan through and through. I don't care about... I mean, yeah, obviously that was a joke, but... Uh, I, know, I know, I know, I know. I went because I'm like, I this is interesting. I want to participate in this cultural moment. That's why I'm going to go to this film. Mm-hmm. I have no investment in... It's the, like when I, you go to a stoning in the old days. I, I was, <laughs> Endgame is essentially... It's a stoning of, of art and <laughs> its ability to create meaning but i sh- everybody's going to the stoning are you Everyone, gonna miss and, out and that's i wanted to have that experience the shared experience of going to and i had that i got to have that experience somewhat recently when i went to force awakens which was a great experience for me i'm big i'm literally he's wearing, wearing a star wars shirt wearing now. a star wars shirt not that i would defend it ultimately um, for someone who's so contrarian he loves right, star wars. i love star wars um but going to avengers it's a clips show because it is a half-baked time travel narrative where then you get to see the Avengers go back in time to basically... I, I end up seeing Infinity War, which is the one before, which yes, I actually is. think for Avengers was okay because it was very bleak. It was. Um, but then... I did see Infinity War. Endgame is like an undo button through the lens of a clip show because you go back in time and you see the Avengers see themselves in literally Avengers 1. Mm-hmm. And then it's like you see the moment in Avengers 1 where they're surrounded by the baddies or whatever. Sure. Um, I saw Avengers 1. That was I've seen probably about seven or eight Marvel movies in my life, and that was one of them. Um, and there's, it was hard to miss. There's many more. Yeah. Um, I have seen all of them except for Ms. Mar- Ms. Marvel yeah. and the, the the two most recent films. I, just, I, just, I, I wait for them. I haven't seen a Marvel film in That's theaters a- in a long time it's hard to prioritize it now well it's but, like i'm like fuck it i'm like i honestly i don't want to give him the satisfaction of my dollar yeah and it's not like you can really like like my yeah, boycotting yeah. it means jack it doesn't all, mean anything yeah but yeah. but it, it means something if it means me, something to you that's great and that and that i get to have that uh that satisfaction and superiority over like i'll wait till i uh stream it 
Sure. And, um, and I'm, already pay- I'm already paying for Netflix. It's going to be on Netflix it's in be six on months. Netflix eventually. And uh, going back to the, the form of delivery too, that is the fact that it was a clip show and we were seeing just rehashed th- movies that we already saw. Yeah. And it's like, isn't it cute that we get to see the Avengers now after everything bad had happened, uh, go back and relive the experiences they ever already had. I'm like, this is TV. Mm-hmm. I'm now watching TV and I'm at the theater and that it was inexcusable. I, I thought it was a terrible film. Really? Went, oh, I, I mean, I, I'm not, but I mean, and I'm the, probably the worst audience for it. Like, I'm the least, I did not give it any charity at all because I'm not invested in the characters. I have a distinct aversion to the superhero, superhero narrative. Um, I think it, uh, it props up, one, the same critiques I make of Breaking Bad are the same ones I would make of uh, superheroes and that it f- hyper-focuses on the individual individual excellence as a mode of transformation as opposed to all the conditions of society that actually sort of like create the world around us. So I'm a really, I'm really ungenerous consumer of these films. Yeah, I mean, and they're also recycled garbage in a lot of ways. I mean, putting it a little more bluntly, um, they're redundant. They're uh It's formulaic. the same thing over and over again. Yeah, but... Bad guy, he have thing I want. Uh, good guy, he want my he thing. Want no thing. This, yeah. The the universe is, but, um, but I mean, but ultimately, that's also what most narratives end up being, right? Conflict resolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Re- the, repeat, repeat. Sure, sure. Um, but I would say the thing that was new to me about Avengers was its blatant uh, conversion or. Uh, it's blatant merging with television in that sort of recap of things that you've already seen. And the Marvel cinematic universe sort of works in the same way because it's so episodic and exists. And the same critiques I made of TV, which is it's just an advertisement for the next one, et cetera, et cetera. All that stuff applies very neatly to the Marvel cinematic universe, almost in the exact same way, except the films are more expensive. Um, a little bit. I mean, yeah, with just, just marginally with, with yeah, like yeah. game of Thrones, you know, like I heard, I heard about the millions that went into that show and they were willing to pump out even more. They, they man. And you know, not that game of Thrones ever could have satisfied me the ending of, and, and that's something that made the blow a lot easier. It was because of all these critiques I have of TV, this, the finale of game of Thrones in the last season, never, I never would have liked it. Right. Right, um, yeah. but they still had the option to do more episodes, which maybe would have made it a little bit better. Well, you know, it's one of those. I so I read a couple. Or I I didn't dig into this as much as maybe other people have. And hey, uh, you can reach out to me at my website if you have any thoughts. www.benschlofeld.squarespace.com. Yeah, I would love to talk to any. If anyone has a defense of the final season of Game of Thrones. I would love to hear it. Or if they know more about why the two showrunners would not hand off the show to somebody else. Because that, that's what gets me. That that feels that, uh, so selfish. And so, like, I I do not want to let this into the hands of anybody else. I can't have it, so nobody can Or why it. HBO wouldn't force them to. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, uh, I'm, I'm, as you guys know from previous episode... Uh, I'm a big Simpsons fan, and The Simpsons has had several showrunners over its 30-year uh, span because, of course, it has to. Um, it's interesting that The Simpsons never came up so far in our discussion. Car- well, we, I think I was I think thinking we about it, it when we, we talked an- about cartoons yeah. and my favorite shows, Futurama, The Simpsons, uh, things like The Critic, very short-lived. Um, most of the things I put on that are comforting to me, Batman, the animated series, uh, are 
cartoon shows, the Animaniacs. Those things all exist outside of this concept of prestige TV. Oh, I guess. Uh, oh, absolutely. And, um, they're not. They're not. They're part much of this more defensible, and they're much more cohesive to the art form. And they all exist. Yeah. They all existed, or at least started. Simpsons is a contemporary by definition, um, but existed or began before what we're talking about Correct. which is this and and i think we also we hadn't we didn't mention the first part but i was i was about to this exclusion of network television that network television hasn't really sure. uh, entered into this conversation because because yeah, we were talking about shows in, in like seinfeld and friends that existed in the 90s but so did NYPD Blue and Homicide: Life on the Street, like these shows that are are also kind of precursors. Or and you you mentioned Oz before. I think we even started recording, right? Um, that are somehow kind of absent in the narrative of uh, prestige television. I think um, Star Trek is something or that they did mention. We Star, have Trek. Star Trek and Twilight Zone, I think, are two examples of things that on network sort of transcended the network expectations even the classic twilight zone yeah i know what you're talking about the like six, those the those are that like the um, you know talking I, about the cbs all access the one that jeff's the on. one that my our our friend jeff is on um i haven't seen it i'm sorry you know, if i don't have cbs all access they're two um, they're two plugs are are uh jordan <laughs> jordan peele hosted twilight zone yeah and honestly if if jeff wasn't involved and jordan peele wasn't involved i, I would not care it. Um, and then they have the new Star Trek on CBS. But anyway, sorry. Go um, I do think of Twilight Zone the the episode with the man who all he wanted to do was read books. He was, uh, you know, a, a bookish gentleman, and um, the apocalypse happens, and then he loses his glasses or he breaks them. I mean, the Futurama bit? No, no, no. That, that's not a Futurama. It's a Twilight Zone episode. Oh, so Futurama was doing. Direct, like a lot of Futurama and Simpsons, it's a reference to an earlier piece of pop culture. Well, I know because well, they're doing the scary door in Futurama. Yeah. And it's, so the, let me describe the bit to you from Futurama, and you sure. tell me. And I'll finish where, the, so, the Twilight Zone yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the world—it's post-apocalyptic. Everyone's dead. Ah, finally, I have time to read all my favorite books. So he's going around this this man. It looks like the New York Library. Yeah, and he's going around like. Uh, and he's about to like read, like, and his glasses fall off. He's like, "Oh, well, I can still read the large print books." And then his eyeballs fall out. Like, "Oh, well, it's a good thing I can still read Braille." And then his hands fall off, and then he starts just screaming. And then his tongue falls out, and his head falls off. That that's an amazing. So it, it's it's funny that we're talking about good TV now that we're on. Uh, we're talking about. I'm supposed to be saying that TV is bad. It's an amazing heightening of the original uh, Twilight Zone episode, which was the the guy, he um, was obsessed with books. All he wanted to do was read books. And it's sort of like the whole episode is him being alienated from that pursuit by, you know, just sort of the general things of life. The some I can't remember the specifics of it, but some sort of apocalyptic thing happens. And he's like, well, at least I can read my books. And he drops and cracks his glasses. And then the the end of the show is him being like, there was so much time now. There was time. Um, because he, he, anybody can't really see. Yeah. Um, and that is for the time. Submitted for your consideration. Yeah. For the time. Exactly. Yeah. For your considered for the Oscars, whatever. I'm sure that was amazingly dark. And um, that, that would have been sort of. Uh, or at least got people to think, right? 
it got it got people to think and even even a, a, a dark thing to say for film you know that was just sort of a a, a very gloomy conclusion to, to end what's well, a pessimistic ending show. like whereas to contrast star trek star trek has um a beautiful it's a beautifully utopian and um yeah. from around the same time and it's like cool one day we will solve the problems of the economy um, we'll have this sort of like um, it's a meme, but we'll have you know uh, luxury gay space communism, mm-hmm. where yeah, every material need possible is satisfied, and all we get to do is sort of go explore and, and gain knowledge. And, and it's all about the 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 diplomacy of exploration. Yep, and 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 um, that's beautiful, uh, a beautiful vehicle for political imagination. Yeah, um, which is, have you listened to the Star Trek two part episode from this podcast? It sounds like there's a lot of good content on this podcast <laughs> that uh, isn't just me either critiquing or defending pop culture. But yeah, I mean those those are two. It those two things are just uh, they're good shining bright lights in the history of television. That before it was sort of uh, as obviously commodified mm-hmm. as it is now. And speaking of uh, Twilight Zone, I think a good. Um, rhyme, you know, Mark Twain said history doesn't repeat, it rhymes. Uh, a good rhyme to Twilight Zone, I guess, in television history is Black Mirror. And Absolutely. It's, it, yes. Black Mirror is utter drivel. Um, <laughs> Black Mirror sucks. Really? Like, um, Black Mirror has no ability to uh, comment on our society because of the hyper focus on the technological as the the perversion of our social interactions as opposed to the uh the the structural or the powerful it, it's obsessed with this idea that technology is what's going to take us over well that's and what it's the what's show's ca- about scott it's what it's what it's about but it's a it's a hyper focus on on that particular well, yeah, i mean but i don't th- I, I i will i know what you mean but I don't th- i'm going to argue that that is what the show is focusing on every single generation has had a, a so-called pernicious technology that was going to ruin culture yeah the telephone the the printing press etc cetera, etc cetera. the wheel um the remember, wheel remember how big a deal that was correct and <laughs> And and and, high, and Black Mirror's, um, it's sort of like cheap 1984, and then 1984 even doesn't have a ton of relevance in today's society because um, the the funny thing about uh, authoritarian victory gin still around. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah, exa- yeah, it's still around. The funny thing about our authoritarian society is that. Um, Nicely enough for us is that our authoritarian structures don't make themselves plainly plain to see. They're all receded into, you know, um, uh, subtle advertisements and reinforcements of the status quo. We don't have these sort of like clear uh, moral narratives like exist. And like the the presentation in Black Mirror or 1984 and stuff like that is so bleak and obvious that it doesn't really have the ability to comment on our society, and it's a hyper focus. Yeah, I I, yeah. I I agree with that, but but then but then it's taking the immediate circumstances of society and it's focused. Like I, I mean, I, we're well, already in the heightened version yeah, of this, though. But, we're already but, in this heightened version of um, you know, austerity and uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump is literally the president and stuff like but, that. But like, but will I mean, I'm not I'm not. Is I'm saying I think the show has relevance at the moment. Will it stand the test of time? I mean, I don't know. It will not. But I mean, are you? You're also assuming that these shows. This is the thing where you're getting off. Like the show, these shows are being made um, at, to do more than you think they are. 
Black Mirror may not be doing more than you th- it may not be trying to do any more than than what it is doing, which is like feeding off the fear generated by our our inability to separate our lives with the current modes of technology. That's then, the show the show is selling itself. What do you like what do you expect I, out of then it? Then I would say that my critique still stands because I think that um the show uh, saying that the main problem that humans face right now or um even even uh, pluralistically uh one of the problems is the fascination with technology to me is just a, a bankrupt uh, place to start from politically in general and it doesn't offer you any way forward and it's also something that's rhymed throughout history right the th- the the problems that we're facing right now are that there's basically a few people that control most of the world's resources yes. and they're going to get to decide whether or not uh, you know people live or die over the next uh, twenty to thirty years, right? If we, that's if we the problem. It's not that my. It's not that I get. I can really communicate maybe a little too easily with my friends on Twitter, or that I get a sort of deep sense of satisfaction when I tweet something that gets a well, lot of likes. Well, then, that's that's not even close to the biggest by, political by, problem. Okay, no, I mean you're right. Like we should be. But then, do you want all of the? highfalutin prestige television you watch to be focused on the most important immediate problems at hand like should we watch should we be watching tv shows like like about uh the sea levels are rising it's water world no because that would that would suck because political art usually sucks um but the uh Black Mirror masquerades as political art, right? Like that that's that's the very premise that it, it sort of sits upon is that it's making a societal a societal critique that to me um one of the necessary conditions of uh sort of alienation that we feel in 2019 is the the pervasive the you know how deeply technology is integrating our lives, but it's not a sufficient condition. It doesn't ex- it doesn't have the whole story. And so because I'm taking Black Mirror at what it presents itself as being, which okay. is as a societal critique, um, I'm saying that its societal critique is not sufficient. Okay. I I would buy that, uh, being that I also think the show as... Oh, man, because it's a science fiction show, and I have a lot of thoughts about science fiction. Science fiction is, is sometimes really cool and sometimes really stupid. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, I've not seen... I've seen maybe half a dozen black mirror episodes and i'm i'm probably a little bit more than that and it it certainly reminds me of the twilight zone and it's it's they're all what cautionary tales cautionary tales and um totalitarian ideas were uh mixed with you know 1984 etc well sometimes because i i have i guess i remember the one i think i remember the best uh and, and correct me if I am misremembering entirely, uh, since we all know that the second half of this show is about Black Mirror. That's uh, <laughs> apparently what it's about. And I think that's interesting territory to cover hey, because it is, it's a, it's a show that has tr- it's trying to deviate from all the critiques that we made earlier, but it's failing to do so. So there's an episode where um, I believe she loses her significant other. A, 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 oh, maybe it's the guy. A, a, a person, memory one, something like that, and they, yeah. they build they build a robot, right? Who replic who supplants the it's and, so and it fucking ha- boring. And it, well, it has to do <laughs> with like so boring. you know, I know what you mean, but like <laughs> the ideas of of uh, I mean, it touches on a lot of things that I think Blade Runner did, 
um but blade runner had done better yeah. but in a, but in a domestic sense what love and loss can mean and what and how technology might be able to supplant those kind of things with uh with uh, 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 artificial interactions uh, and where the distinction is between uh, so a real... the lover was made real again by its memories, right? Yeah, is that is I I vaguely remember it, but yeah, that's I I get that general idea. It's but that stuff has existed in the um, that's a tr- sort of a trope it is, in absolutely. horror. You uh, raise your lover from the dead, and then it's mm-hmm. an, an absolute disgusting distortion. Pet cemetery. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 pet cemetery. With Stephen King, amazing. <laughs> um, uh, I think the Stephen, champ, King, the Stephen King's a great writer. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's not untread territory and it's not specific to sci-fi. No, it's not, but, yeah. but, but like, I'm talking, being, all these things are going to end up sounding like regurgitated narrative forms. Like, sure. You know, but it's about execute and, and does it, so like perhaps not to make us sound like superior fucking intellects, um, but just because we'd come to these conclusions before doesn't mean that people who had not, who haven't seen Blade Runner or maybe hadn't seen pet cemetery or read the book came to a conclusion about how they interact with the world around them because of something that you find trite, but maybe speaks to them. Sure. On a profound I, level. I like that. I like the idea that there's a show that's asking philosophical questions, but I think that you, um, deep, deeply underestimate the reason why you find those things trite is because if you, uh, are inclined to ask those sort of questions. You sort of ask those questions and resolve and move on to other things much earlier on, right? I think that uh, a show like that sort of underestimates the pe- people's ability to ask uh, much more interesting questions than what if I brought my lover back to life? Would that be weird? Yeah, like <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, hell yeah. yeah, that'd be fucking weird. Yeah, like, it'd, be, it'd be weird and it'd be disturbing, and you'd have uh, yeah. you'd probably go through some emotional <laughs> trauma. Yeah, I think I think that there's a uh, a sort of popular philosophy that can exist, and people ask themselves interesting questions like this all the time at church. That you ask more uh, if you're religious, you ask yourself way more interesting questions than this at your church every week. Like what and happens if I sleep with God? What? Yeah, sure, exactly. <laughs> Well, my baby. Or yeah, you ask yourself like, um, I guess your baby would be Jesus, wouldn't it? But then, oh, there's the sec- that's the third coming. It's just, <laughs> it's just the the baby we're, that I have. We're waiting for someone. My to personal fuck relationship with God, but like, I th- I think that that saying that just because I may or may not be particularly inclined to ask philosophical questions, which is a contestable position, I think that there are already spheres where people are asking themselves uh, deep moral and philosophical questions. Um, but do you think so? I'm. I guess I'm arguing for the sake of it a little bit, but do you think those are the kind of people who do or do not watch Black Mirror? Like, there's talking- a lot of yeah. I mean, everyone watches Black Mirror. Everyone watches all the same shit that we watch, right? Yeah. Like- so like, and so, what kind of percentage are you thinking about? Like the people who will walk away from Black Mirror, an episode of Black Mirror, and feel like that made me think. Let's let's have a conversation about what that might mean. Sure, and, and I think, but the questions that Black Mirror is asking, even for. Um, people that may not ask themselves this these types of questions as frequently um to me are not as significant of questions that you can you could grapple with or ask as a show and that's the the level that i'm critiquing it at you know it's you 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 you, so you scott as a a person you individually are desire a higher level of interaction uh, uh philosophically socially economically yeah. than than mo- so like it, it almost feels like so i'm i'm it almost feels like 
you, and I know this is where Tom, it's your hot take. It's Scott Myers. It is hot my hot take. take. Yeah, hot yeah. take. Um, you don't feel TV lives up to your expectations, your standard of what TV could be, but it clearly, with the, or with with the way that the masses are consuming this, do you think, or do you think we should expect I, better from because it can be better? It, and, I think and it, it can could make conceivably better. better. I think you could. So I mean, just to go on the record, like I have a very specific political paradigm, like I have been described by others and myself as a Marxist. So um, I use Karl Take Mar- that with a grain of salt. Take that with it, you know, like, but uh, that's... Or share that grain of salt with everybody else. Sure that, yeah, yeah, for me, according to the according to need. That, that is the mode of analysis that, I, and there's a whole, you know, amazing tradition of Marxism uh, that includes cultural criticism. So that is the place that I start with is like, um, in what way is this piece of art upholding the status quo is a question that I ask myself a lot when I'm consuming something. Yeah. And when I am consuming something like Black Mirror, I'm like, oh, the way that it's upholding the status quo is it's giving the illusion of asking deep questions about our existence in the world around us while not actually interrogating um, the actual material structural forces that um, cause the existence that we live in. Okay. So that that is which are, you know, for me, from that that particular perspective that I have, are capitalism, right? Like, right. Um, that comes up a lot in this show without me even intending it to. It's almost like uh, the, the perverse commodification of every single interaction and a thing that you could have is, is bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and that's, for me, it's an explicit pers- perspective. Like, I'm explicitly anti-capitalist, I think, it, uh, and I think that there is a, a, another horizon for human beings, possibly, that we could achieve. Um, but that's if in, from an intellectual standpoint, I start with a Marxist framework or analysis, um, coming out of the, and then there is a, a whole group of Marxists in the, the fifties and sixties called the Frankworks Frankfurt school yep, yep, yep. that specifically apply Wasn't Walter Benjamin, a part of that. School? Um, yeah. And then most notably like, um, Adorno, yeah, Adorno. Um, who apply basically the, uh, political, uh, political economy critiques of Marxism to culture and how mm-hmm. is this upholding the status quo and so those are the types of questions what's up nothing those are the types of questions that i ask of, uh, i generally ask of tv shows and probably lead to my analysis of uh you know prestige tv at large etc so i think so. we i think we almost buried the lead a little bit not not that we say we, sh- we should have started with that sure but it's almost like a this is through the lens of of your with where you're coming from politically socially economically speaking and the way that you consume art and the way that you feel art should reflect uh not not your values necessarily but uh, an idealized version of something well i'm just i'm asking and this is I don't think that I was at. I don't think I was asking this question because I do Marxism and um, you know material analysis and stuff like that. It's really boring at a certain point because all you're asking is like, what is what power is this upholding? And you're not really asking uh, interesting questions like, oh, what does it mean to love someone or. <laughs> What is it? What is art actually? So it negates the the sort of the human quality exactly. of the art. Exactly, and so I I do I will say that my critique of TV is ultimately aesthetic because um, I I don't think Marxism has a lot to say about aesthetics. Um, it obviously does. It's a political. Yeah. It's an it's a political and economic philosophy. So and I don't I, get that Mona Lisa. Yeah. What's she doing? And I think there's a lot of things outside of being like. 
cool what power uh, regime is this protecting that you can ask about any sort of uh, piece of art. Um, and I think that even uh, there's 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 art that I like that doesn't really ask those questions that is still amazingly moving, aesthetically sublime art, right? Yeah, sure. So the reason why I think it became relevant with Black Mirror specifically is because it is masquerading as um, dissident art. Yes. And I think that ultimately is not dissident at all. I, I will yeah. I will uh, agree with that point, that it, it's not... It, it is still within a parameter, a paradigm of acceptable questions that we want to ask ourselves yep. that, that won't push you past the point of ultimately questioning the, the world in which you exist, which is what TV... And most media created by Hollywood, by, by all of these major corporations, don't want you to do, right? They don't want you to, like, look at things and say, like, yeah. whoa, wait, hey, wait, wait, wait. What if we all just stopped working? Yeah. It, what, it, what, it, would that, what, what if we all just went on strike at the same time? Would we finally... Maybe we'd have a... Maybe we'd better? like our lives better, yeah. you know? Or what if we and, demanded uh, a four-day work week? What if, like... Exactly. We could do exactly, those things, yeah. but Black Mirror... No, and so... So that's the critique of Black Mirror specifically, is it's uh, it's it gets people to think they're asking, um, cutting political questions when it ultimately serves the status quo more than meets the eye. Sure, right. But I do think it serves the purpose of, and and, and maybe this is where you and I, like where I, I guess I was arguing because I didn't understand what you that. I have had conversations after an episode of Black Mirror that I thought like, oh, this is kind of we had a fun discussion about sure. about the hypotheticals about what would like would you do this would you do that and I think there's there's value entertain in an entertainment in in a social aspect of being able to walk away from a TV show which is and those episodes in their defense like Twilight Zone are very self contained you don't have to watch there's there's no over those are good things about them yeah. yeah so you you there's the 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 moral tale is told. And you like, you talk to your to the people around you who you viewed it with, like, wow, what would you, what would you do? What would you? I would do this. I would do that. And you have a conversation. Yeah. Um. So I think there's value in that. I think it's, it's it has value in that. Where, but I completely agree. It is people aren't going to go out on the streets and throw their cell phones on the ground, which is probably what I think. If you're really look, thinking about it, you would do like, what am I doing with this phone? What am I doing yep. with this TV? It doesn't actually encourage you to do. It, it does doesn't not. actually because whoa, is it? This is a weird irony of Black Mirror is that it is consumed through one of the most hyper technical mediums that has ever been devised, which is Netflix. That is the primary motive. It is. It is a contradiction in its very delivery. I believe um, Sideshow Bob in an episode of The Simpsons, uh, he steals a nuclear weapon. And goes on uh, a jumbotron to tell the, the the Springfield to destroy all of their televisions, uh, or else he will detonate it. And he says, "Oh, I I don't think that I have missed the irony of being on television in order to decry it. So don't bother pointing." Which that out. is that is the uh, I'm not a Simpsons fan, which is uh, I know uh, a controversial opinion. <sighs> I'm not a Simpsons fan. In is that, that I, the hot take? That's not the hot take, but like um, I. F- from what I know about The Simpsons is that it's one of its primary aesthetic um, functions and tricks is uh, disavowal, right? Uh, conscious disavowal or um, conscious uh, breaking of its own rules. 
It has uh, what Matt Groening. There's a rubber band reality that he talks about. That things that there's a there's a bend that exists within within the reality of the Simpsons. Um, it never breaks. At least when he was a a big part of, of the, the show. Sure, in, we'll say we'll say it's the quote unquote golden age or whatever of the Simpsons. Yeah. Um. And like they had a Bible and they stuck to it. Uh. And there was the but there was always those those meta moments like where you can wink to the audience and like but because he's on a TV on a TV talking about how we should blow up our TVs and um which is an interesting that it's i mean sure and i'm sure black mirror is capable of doing this as well that's an it's an well, interesting but, philosophical but simpsons, question simpsons, to ask saying, simpsons is a is a comedy yeah like, yeah, they, yeah their their bit was to like poke fun at the idea of that and like let's get a laugh out of this it's not tr- they're they're not encouraging people but to it's still asking that. the question right like, it is not encouraging like, people to ask a question but a read of it is that you could be like huh that's that's kind of weird yeah. you know and I guess I do, I will capitulate to the point, like, if the first time that anyone has asked uh, really deep uh, epistemological questions about what they can know or what constitute their identity comes as a result of Black Mirror, that's great. Like, um, I just don't think it, I still think my critique stands that it is not what it is uh, reporting to us, that it's being on the base level. I, and I don't think that most people are having that experience. I, sure, sure. I mean, I I agree. I think there are probably some who walk away. And like, I really hope that, that they have the same kind of experiences that I had, which were a fun 15 to 30-minute conversation afterwards that felt like in the conversation that we had, at, that we, as, as people talking dug deeper than the episode allowed us to sure about actual experiences personal experiences um and what that means to us in in uh, a more meaningful way opposed to what black mirror presents i so yeah i i agree for the most part um but what's that say about prestige television yeah like, so let's yeah let's get to the wrap up here um i think that we ended up agreeing more on this topic we were I talking about this in to. the break then we like it didn't end up necessarily being a hot take because we we sort of came to a consensus. Well, the hot take is that we don't agree with the majority sure. of sure. people because like they're still making a well maybe and the thing is maybe people are cooling maybe I don't to, think they are because just the, all the stuff that's coming out of Netflix right now and just the the but have run we reached of the saturation mill, point? Have we reached like the point I where don't it's know, just too man. much? The run of the mill Netflix show that's still coming out that's the really cinematically shot drama it seems overwhelming and i who knows no, it, if there's a saturation port or not but it people is are me. consuming it like we're you know? i'm i i watch what a 15th of now i don't even watch even? I, like, I i can't even i pulled that number out of no I, I don't even i can't even fathom really, i'll watch the trailers to frustrate myself <laughs> like that's that's that i'll be like Oh man, here's another one. I wonder what this is like, and it's it's just you know, it's the uh, you know what I'm gonna say. Like the the best takeaway for me is it's giving a lot of actors a lot of work. Sure, and you know I, and that was one of the original points that I defended about TV. I like that I like that actors get to dig into stuff. That's and not, awesome, and also not just actors. Like the idea that that you can uh, produce a show and just go up to Netflix and say, Hey, I made this show. Do you guys want to buy it and then help pay for more episodes if it's popular enough? And they're sure. like, "Yeah, we have gajillions of dollars. Um, we can give you this pittance 
to make this show that means the world to you. Yep. Um, and they do it with movies, the TV, like they because they have all of this. It it's what we need. And I know there's there's actually a podcast that exists, and I've heard about it. That is uh, a group of people who are like these. This we will filter Netflix for you and tell you the stuff that we think is important. I have never listened to it, but I think that that po- that, that 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 podcast exists. Because there is such a harbinger, a, a plethora of yeah. content, uh, is fascinating. Like, and and that we're at that point. It, it, perhaps it is a harbinger of of the the sinking of this Titanic. Sure. Um, and it's not just Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, HBO. They're all in this similar boat, creating original content, streaming old shit. Um, or maybe it's not. Maybe maybe what it is is the harbinger of. Uh, the Steven Spielberg's vacating the, the the theatrical spaces and going to um, the small screens because I know he's been he was bitching about Netflix and and Hulu and shit like they shouldn't be nominated for Academy Awards because uh, they're not real movies. Uh, and I don't you know that's always a my old, impulse is def- to defend the idea that a real movie is anything that's a movie. Yeah. Um, denotatively, like anything that fits his definition is a movie, but like I also get at the same time what he's saying. You know what I mean? Like there's a different level of experience when you go to a theater to to see a movie. But now a lot of Netflix is, films, now a lot of Netflix films are also being shown in theaters. In the theater, now. like uh, Roma was a simultaneous yep. release, and that's a, it's a good movie. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I just, yeah. to me, it's it's old man shakes fist at cloud kind of thing. Sure, and I think there is a. I am both sympathetic and critical of that position at the same time because you want to, if you're seeing legitimate changes in the way that something that you are an expert in, right, is mm. and that's occurring, you want to start asking the questions like, does this have all of the aliquot components to still be considered what it is that I am a, am an expert in? Yes, sure. Right, so... Sure. He has a, uh, but he has a horse time, in the race. In the you race. want it, like, radical acceptance is good too. So... um that yeah i'm 29 now not that i'm older or anything like that but the older i get the more sympathetic i am to someone being like more resistant to change or at the very least i'm more sympathetic to someone asking foundational questions about anything at all when it appears to change because it helps us as we move forward to actually define that thing okay sure sure and i i can appreciate i mean i'm Scott, I'm older than you. Yeah, by about a year. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sh- I've been shaking that fist at a cloud for, <laughs> um, and I, I hear that, and uh, and I suppose Spielberg perhaps isn't a, isn't the best example because of how, uh, sort of foaming at the mouth he seemed to be sure. at the audacity of these online platforms breaking into his beloved medium. I'm talking um, about the universal no, instead of the chicken. Like, yes, yes. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, about a reasonable per, reasonable person like saying, well, I mean, what is, what this? is this? And even if they're asking yeah. in an unreasonable way, it still makes the reasonable person ask themselves that question. It, it, it starts the conversation uh, yeah. and hopefully leads to a reasonable conclusion. Um, because I, like, I ultimately don't know where... where Netflix, because eventually it's it, it could be just the case of meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Like they came up through this means. And oh, then, I'm and, sure it'll, that's exactly what it'll be. Especially it, that's exactly what it'll be. And then yeah. in that case, like then what is it? Just like <laughs> uh, the music industry had the same thing. Like uh, now the the record, it's not like the record industry 
it's it declined in sort of like the idea of selling a CD, but it's just like now they're put out as singles on iTunes or yeah. you just get them on your streaming service. It's not like a radically different industry. No, no. Spotify's there. iTunes yeah. is there. Uh, they still commodify the art, which gives... It's, it's just people had to adjust radically to the mode of consumption and, and that and that i think that, but it, it didn't ultimately end up assailing the actual uh product as such i mean did it, yeah did it change the art i i mean i don't really. th- I, no, i don't think roma roma could have come out 10 years ago yeah. 15 years yeah, exactly ago. and it's a it's a beautiful film and yeah, yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a lovely but little film now that we're you know we're sort of bouncing all over the place medium wise, I will say. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. So I say let's wrap up a little bit let's, here. Let's, let's I do su- want to say one thing. I want to cite um, the, an article by uh, a writer, Matt Chrisman. Um, he's uh, anyone who listens to uh, is a very popular podcast called Chapel Trap House. I read an article by him. It's about prestige TV. I had many other ideas that weren't his during this whole discussion. But when I read his article, it was about two years ago. I was like, oh, cool. It was sort of a codifying moment. So I do want to cite that influence of uh, the paradigm shift for me um, in terms of like it using as a starting point of analysis. So, and I think just this, so it's not, it's not blatant, uh, blatant plagiarism or anything. I, like and I also can't, well, my, my read was from Wikipedia, which yeah. I forgot to mention. Um, I also think this is one of the more relevant topics uh, because people don't shut up about TV. Yeah, it, it, it's it, the it is the contemporary uh, art form. Right? It, it it becomes a thing that I dread going into work. It's like, oh god, they're gonna talk. I'm gonna overhear people talking about it. They may ask me, and I'll have to. And I can't just. We're all gonna say that there there won't be an opinion betwixt all of us that isn't shared. And I don't want to be a part of this giant conversation in an office about uh, the last episode of Game of Thrones. You know what's you know what's interesting now is that it's almost more radical to talk about sports <laughs> than it's such it's a taken it because sports used to be the absolute lowest common denominator yeah. of um public conversation and now it feels like i can have much more interesting conversations about sports than i can about tv which if you had asked me that 10 years ago i'd be like there's no possible way like you can at least talk about make an I, analysis of the acting or the character motivations well, it's, et cetera. It's, the, it's the binge aspect of this right yep. it's the accessibility the at the moment you want to access it you can I could we could we watch Chernobyl right now. It doesn't. Yeah. Whereas yeah, yeah. baseball is a temporal aspect to it. You have to like the games at seven ten. And there's a spontaneity. Yeah. And and I mean yes, of course you could tape it, watch it later. But then like, but there's something about like it existed and then it's gone, which um, ties it more closely to film than it does to TV or 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 going to a concert. The immediacy, sure. the that that it exists for a moment. Um and and. I don't know, like, but it doesn't like you can just record it and then it's there forever. But like then no, but no one wants. To, it's like rewatching the the a Daily Show from last week. It feels so like why do I why did I do that? Which, yeah, that I mean, which is like one measure of comedy is its ability to exist outside of its exact political moment. Because I mean, and this is a whole other discussion. It is. It is. I'm political to... comedy right now is absolute trash it's so bad because all it is is just describing events that just literally just happened and there's no point of view or perspective on them at all well it's, it's yeah. more like i mean that's always been the problem i've had with uh, a weekend update on snl well, it's just like- snl sucks <laughs> snl and it and if you think that you used to like snl you didn't you were just young it's bad snl is so bad 
hot take. That's a, that might be the next episode, but that is that is not you know other people have that opinion. I mean, well, yeah, of course, they do. yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot of people do like SNL too. No one likes it. Uh, well, then <laughs> no, lots of people like it. But cold, cold take. Cold take. Yeah. Um. So. I think that's as good as any any place to wrap up. I think so. Thanks, yeah. Scott. Do you have anything you want to plug quickly? You're in a band. Uh, anything like anything else? You have any shows coming yeah, up? You I'll plug, plug Mary's um, shows. <laughs> I'll plug Brass Calf. Um, that's my band uh, on found on Grimson at Brass Calf. We have a new EP, EP coming out called Delphi. Um, it's really um, an interesting EP. I think isn't and, it the, the the Greek figure? Name it's it? a Greek. It was recorded in the Indiana town of uh, of Delphi, which is why we oh. named it that way. Over probably one named after the Greek figure. I would assume because that, that's uh, what uh, not a, that's not a god. Is and um, I would also like to plug the coming uh, proletarian revolution, where we seize um, the means of production from the capitalists and uh, create a more just society. That's the other thing I like. Yeah, I just want about. the housing bubble to pop. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I just want to get a house. Yeah. Um, thank you, Scott, so much. I think that this is this is our introduction to hot take, and I think it'll be a we're setting a pretty high bar. This was fun. <laughs> this is really really fun. All right, guys. So hitting the buttons co- correctly. Tune in next week as we do something else. Probably something I want. Was a little Spanish beat. You can't even hear it. A record star, Tony B. He heard him singers like Beatles, the chipmunks he's seen on TV. What's that? Why not a That's little Spanish Homer beat? Simpson. Oh. I know you're not a Simpsons buff, but. out into nothing.